0: Hi, this is Cody Carpenter, and you're listening to Adrian Has Issues.
1: and welcome to adrian has issues a conversational podcast celebrating the culture of creativity today i'm on location at vinyl paradise located on 273 railroad Ave, sayville and if you're in the long island area be sure to visit them here and also on the web at vinylparadiseny.com shout out to dan for letting me use this space tonight we have a very special guest um i kind of consider him new jersey royalty Which, don't tell Springsteen, he might get a little upset about that. (laughs) But Mike is best known for being the drummer, lead vocalist, and principal songwriter of the influential Jersey punk band, The Ergs, which have recently reunited for a tour which will kick off later this year to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Dork Rock Corridor. Well, more recently, he also released his second solo album called Wax Built Castles on Don Giovanni Records. And while he's been really nice and willing to take time out abandoning food and beer to talk to me so i'll make sure i go easy on them
0: there'll be food and beer don't worry
1: <laughs> but please welcome mikey eric mikey thank you so much for taking the time out i appreciate it hello how you doing i'm doing well i figured what we'll do is we'll get a little bit into your album waxville castles one thing that we talk about in the show a lot is the creative journey because a lot of times a lot of people they listen to let's say music read comic books watch movies but they don't really know a whole lot about the work it took to actually make those things. So something you've said in referring to this album was that it's an album that you've been aching to make. Mm -hmm. And I want to get a little bit of insight as to what you really meant by that exactly.
0: Well, I kind of just mean like, you know, I've always kind of in the back of my mind for like, even when the Ergs were together, like I always kind of wanted to make, you know, so for my entire life, I've been listening to uh, a whole lot of stuff, which is why the Ergs was like, kind of a, a special band is because we all listen to like a million different things, but like, I've always listened to like the Beatles and Elvis Costello and, uh, you know, like, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash and like jellyfish and like teenage fan club, just all these really like poppy, poppy, poppy records and artists. And, um, I've just always wanted to make a record that sounded more like that than like the punk stuff or like, you know, just a ton of like distortion all over everything. So, uh, yeah it was just like a thing that i just you know and honestly like i thought that the first record was going to sound more like that but then jeff rightly so i like took it in another direction like we we were definitely having conversations where i was like i think this song's like you know more acoustic he's like no i hear it as more of a more of a rock song and i was like okay let's let's do it and then like it turned out to be like this incredible record that i never even knew that i could make um but then when I was making this record, I was like, there's not going to be any distortion on this record. <laughs> not going to be any, like, uh, you know, I didn't even want an electric guitar on it, but we put some electric leads and stuff on it. But, um yeah, so it's just a record I've been wanting to make for, like, years and years and years.
1: Your official solo debut, Tent of Decisions, was very much like the Mikey Urich stamp of, you know, very earnest pop punk, mm. which did lean a lot heavily on, like, your old material. So now you're playing something that's a little bit more stripped down, a little yeah. bit more intimate actually i think the one fascinating thing also not even just the songwriting but also recording because you got to record this at abbey road in london well yeah
0: we we actually we mastered it at abbey road so like,
1: oh correction master at abbey road yeah
0: like pretty much the final part of the process was at abbey road but yeah um that was another thing so like when i went into this record like one of the reasons i was like okay i'm, I'm gonna make it you know kind of more low-key more more mellow more acoustic whatever like that's a thing I've always wanted to do, and at some, I was like, at some point in my life, I need to walk into that building to Abbey Road because my first favorite band was the Beatles. My favorite band will always be the Beatles. Uh, also, love Pink Floyd. Also, love the Zombies. So, like, there's just, like a million bands that like have recorded there, you know. And you're not just allowed to go in there. So I was <laughs> like, I, I better book some time there to make it happen. So that was like my main my my plan was like make this record and then. Get it mastered at Abbey Road by any means necessary,
1: and, even uh, if that means like actually kicking down the doors. i was like, look, if I show uh, up, they can't really kick me out. I wasn't gonna
0: do that, but you know, I fig- I was like, if I have to pay three thousand dollars to master this record, like I'm gonna do it. And luckily, it, it's it's not any more expensive than it was to master anything else that I've ever done. <laughs> so like, I mean, except for the the uh, being in London, but I was already there. I was uh, I was already planning on doing a tour over there. So uh, it it was, ended up being. The easiest slash, like, you know, nothing about it was, like, difficult at all. Like, you know, you just emailed them and they emailed me back with, like, their availability and it happened to be, like, when I needed to be there, so... That's really cool. Yeah, it was perfect. It was just like a perfect experience for me.
1: Speaking of Abbey Road, um, I think a story you got told online was you were there at the same time Jimmy Page was also working in a studio. Yeah, I was
0: sitting there, and I was I said to the the guy who mastered the record, I was like, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask, can I see the studios? Like, can I see the you know studio two where the Beatles did almost everything they ever recorded? And he was he pulled up the calendar. He's like, yeah, let me let me see what's up. And he's it's like, well jimmy page is in there right now and he'll be in there all day and i was like fair enough you know
1: <laughs> i'm like come on he can't even give you like at least like five minutes yeah. to go in just to shake his hand i
0: you know it would have been great but yeah when i and i know like when i was we were out getting coffee like out in the like little lobby area and like one of his like guys came out to get coffee too and people were like oh how's the session going in there he's like oh he's he's doing really he's doing really well." Like. They were talking about Jimmy Page. It was so funny. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this is magic. And the first person I saw when I walked in there was Giles Martin, who is George Martin's son, producer of the Beatles, and did all the remixes of all the, like, newer Beatles remixes. I was like, this really is a wonderland of, like, everybody I expected to be here is going to, you know... Is here. This is crazy.
1: And one of my favorite things that I love about when it comes to any sort of artist, when you have artists who are also fans of other artists, much like growing up in my formative years, you know, listening to music you've been involved in, mm-hmm. but then you also having fans of stuff that you're into. Oh, yeah. So was it really difficult to not just completely like lose your mind when stepping in <laughs> to Abbey Road? I mean, I
0: walked across the fucking crossing. Quick question though, with or without shoes? Uh, with shoes. With shoes, but I did walk the direction that the Beatles were, cause just because that's where the the subway is up the hill, and then you walk down, and then you walk the direction of the picture. And I walked in, and like just thought at any moment, like something they're going to tell me, like, oh no, you didn't book time, or like security, get get this get this man the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, you know, the whole time I'm just thinking that, and then I walk in, and I have you have to sign like a sign-in sheet, and I like could barely do it. I could barely my hands were shaking so much because I was so like nervously excited about this. And yeah. And then so you just kind of sit in the lobby and then the mastering guy comes and gets you. And then the whole time I'm walking through, I'm just like I I could barely speak. It was it was insane.
1: With the songwriting process, you know, again, it's very stripped down and it's very reminiscent of, you know, recordings of like the Beatles and even mm-hmm. some of like Paul McCartney's solo stuff. And not that you haven't done that type of music before. But were there ever any, like, challenges as far as, like, nailing down songs? Because you're almost singing at a slightly different register than you normally are.
0: Definitely was uh, something I, like, the first few takes I did of some of the songs, I was screaming it as if I were, uh, you know, singing a punk song. And, like, my friend Alex, who I work on the record with, definitely had to tell me to tone it down a bit or, like, or just sing in a different register or, like, in a different, you know, in, like, a chest voice more than, like, a head voice kind of thing, like, yeah, I definitely had to train myself kind of uh, as we made the record to sing a little differently and actually sing as opposed to like yell on key or hopefully yell on key is what I've <laughs> kind of normally done, I guess. Um Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a challenge, but it was cool to know that I could do that if we worked hard enough on it.
1: (laughs) Even with having this uh, more like emotional album, it still has like your sense of humor on it. Because once I saw the track title, Why Am I Programmed to Feel Pain? I'm like, okay, you know what? You pulled one of my favorite Simpsons references. (laughs) This album's fantastic. I've been wanting to use that
0: title for a long time. I have like a, a list like on various, like there's one on my computer, one on my phone, like. One in a notebook of just like song titles that I've like written down that I will use at some point. That's always one that I've always wanted to use. And then, yeah, this it just, I needed a title for something. And it doesn't really necessarily even go with the song.
1: Not at all, but it was still (laughs) worth it. Yeah, I I had to use it. Getting into the ergs a little bit because it is the 15th anniversary of your debut. And again, you're going to be doing like a massive tour for that. And then the band itself has been on and off um, over the course of the years. What are your feelings as far as you know now being 15 years and then realizing that in the time in which this album and your band has existed, so many have come up like after you and been inspired by that. Like, so what are your feelings now playing what's essentially like your landmark album?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I'd been playing solo shows ever since we broke up, and like there was always a lot of kids that would come up to me saying like, "Oh, I wasn't even around when you know I, I was like 12 when you played your last show," or you know, and things like that. Like people. And then, like, going to shows and having people, like, cover our songs. And uh, I never think about us being influential or anything I've done being, (laughs) you know, you're kind of, like, removed from that aspect of it. So it's definitely cool to, you know, to know that people were listening. That's pretty rad. And, like, to see, like, I don't know, like, Rolling Stone at one point put Dork Rock on, like, a, you know, the best, 50 best pop punk records of all time or nice and well deserved. Well I never think this that I'll see myself on any of those lists, you know? Like that's a that's a pretty fucking big deal. And like for Dork Rock to have done that is pretty pretty sweet.
1: Talking about the fact that you don't realize who you've been influencing over the years, you're referred to as one of the busiest musicians yeah. in punk. I mean to cover the actual list will take a while, but I'm just gonna try to go down the few of some of my favorites, of course Warriors, The Measures, Dopamines, Dirtbike Annie. Um, you're also the drummer for the LLC, which was uh, the house band for Chris Gethard, which you actually did with Alex in yeah. this whole time, though. Like that's a pretty varied career from when you first started. And something we know about the music scene in any genre is that artists come and go for whatever reason, but you're still here, you know, you're making new music, you've seen the landscape change over time. What would you say you attribute to your longevity as an artist and a creator? I refuse to stop. <laughs> and like, you know, that's the thing is like
0: I, I joined all those bands just because I was like, I never wanted to not be playing music. I just, you know, have such a passion for music and it's just fun to s- still do it. So, yeah, I just I just keep going, you know, keep keep doing it. Keep trying to play as much as I can and I'll stop when it stops being fun.
1: <laughs> and that's also another thing, too, the fact that you've been able to enjoy it because doing anything long term, Regardless of how much you love it, there's no doubt, you know. I'm sure moments where there's a little bit of burnout, where you're not sure if you know if you're one to keep going. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, there's definitely, you know, you could be on a two month tour and just be like, I just want to go home. I'm like, you know, or like whatever. Like, you know, it's 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 weird. It's a it's a difficult kind of situation to be in, being on a punk rock tour. Sometimes, you know, and sometimes you don't feel like partying. Sometimes you just want to go to sleep, and that's just like not an option. You know, like at the end of the day, you get to play music and. It's usually pretty fucking
1: fun. Right, because, I mean, like I said, you've come from pretty humble beginnings, you know, in Jersey, and just, you know, again, like, a lot of bands starting out playing local shows, basement shows, now you're at Abbey Road, and, like, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin is in a room next to you, and just things like, had I stopped on one of those nights, that may not have happened.
0: That was a thing, that was one of the the things where I was just like, I'm not, you know, at one point, I might, I probably won't be doing this, so, like, I want to make sure I get in everything that I've ever wanted to do, you know, like. And luckily, I've been able to like I've toured I've toured Europe, I've toured England a bunch of times, I've toured Australia a couple of times. I've toured, you know, I'd love to get Japan in there at some point before I stop. I'd love to, you know, just do a, a, a bit more traveling. But like I've gotten to do so much just because of. The fact that I wrote a couple songs at some point, you know, it's pretty sweet.
1: (laughs) Lastly, one of kind of like those goofy questions I always like to ask. um, Another one of my favorite Eric songs was your cover of Hey Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. What would you say if someone was like, what's the best cover song ever? What is your pick?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, this is just on my mind because it's the 50th anniversary of Woodstock. They just issued a box set that's like essentially every note that was played at Woodstock. It's, it's almost 40 discs. It's pretty crazy. And that comes out in a couple of days, but they've distilled it down into like 10 discs. And so I've just been listening to that a lot and was listening to the Joe Cocker set and his cover of with A Little Help From My Friends by the Beatles. I was just listening to it. And it's just insane how he takes it. He makes it a completely different song you can't even recognize it until he starts singing it and you're like, Oh, I know those words. <laughs> you know? And I was, I just was listening to that uh, yesterday and I was just like, this is a fucking killer cover. And like, I feel like it was done. It was done pretty close to the original version coming out, but yeah, he, he really reinterpreted it. Uh, so that's like at the forefront of my mind now, just cause that's what I've been listening to. I'm sure there are many others that,
1: that's a really great pick, and I love Joe Cocker. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. That was one of those songs that when I first heard, I heard his version mm-hmm. first. So then it's like, you know, disrupted directed to Beatles, but I was like, this ain't Joe Cocker. Yeah, right. And I got a lot of flack for that from a lot of Beatles fans. I mean, yeah, it's it's totally different and
0: totally like, a, you know, arguably more interesting than the Beatles version. You know, like it's just he, the way he does the bridge and like the way just the way he sings in general. It's It's definitely like he it's next level.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Mikey. And um before we go, I don't know if you have any parting words or if you want to let people know where they can listen to your new album, Waxville Castles, on Don Giovanni Records. Feel free to plug any other sites or things you got coming up.
0: Just yeah, Don Giovanni, uh you know, it's up, up on all the, you know, Spotify and and Apple Music and all that stuff. And uh just like at Mikey Erg on all the social media stuff and yeah, I'll be touring hopefully a bunch for this record. Come out and see me, please.
1: Well, by the time this gets posted, it'll be long after the Vinyl Paradise show. But again, thanks to Dan for setting this up. That address is 273 Railroad Ave in Sayville, New York. And if you're not in the Long Island area, you can visit them at VinylParadiseNY.com. And again, thank you, Mike. And this and every episode of Adrian Has Issues can be heard at issues.com. And you can also stream us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, just to name a few. But that'll do it for us here. And uh, have a good night. For more great podcasts, visit AdrianHasIssues.com.